Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When John the Baptist was conducting his ministry to prepare the way for the Lord, he, of course, preached Christ, declaring that the Messiah was coming, telling the people to repent, baptizing them into Christ. And one day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and John rightly confessed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. These words which John spoke have very significant meaning. They are so important that they made their way into the liturgy. When we sing the Agnus Dei in preparation for the sacrament, we sing, Lamb of God, thou takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. We sing these words right after the words of institution have been spoken and before, the, before you are ushered forward to receive the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. When those simple words of institution are spoken, we believe, teach, and confess that the body and blood of Christ are truly present in, with, and under the bread and the wine. That Christ has joined himself to those earthly elements so that when we come forward, we receive the true body and the very blood of our Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of our sins, just as he had said when he instituted on this night the Lord's Supper. To be called the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is to be called is to be called the one, the very one who will die for the sin of the world. You see, in Old Testament times, lambs were offered as sacrifices to God. Animals died to indicate that life is being granted by God through the shedding of blood. When Adam and Eve sinned, they tried to make coverings for themselves from plants. After God visited with them, not only confronting them for their sin, but also promising to them that the Messiah will come and take away their sin by making an atoning offering. God then made for Adam and Eve tunics of skin to serve as their clothing. The first animal has died. After Cain and Abel were grown, they offered sacrifices to God. Abel's offering was of the firstborn of the flock of sheep. After God saved Noah, his family, and all creation through the ark, Noah offered burnt offerings to God from the clean animals that were on the ark. If you recall, there weren't just two of every kind, but there were seven of the clean animals so that way there would be animals available for sacrifice to show that God has saved his people through Noah and the ark. When Abraham's faith was tested and he was told by God that he must go up to the mountain that God will show him with his only son Isaac to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice, Abraham listened. He went to the mountain that would later become Jerusalem, 
Abraham bound up his son on the altar as God had directed. Abraham raised up the knife ready to slay his son, all because God had told him so, and he would not put anything before himself and his God. He would not allow his son to become his idol. And so in faith, he listened to the instruction of God, but then suddenly God stopped him and provided a ram to serve as a sacrifice in the place of Isaac. When God raised up Moses to deliver God's people from slavery in Egypt, Pharaoh refused to let God's people go, even after nine devastating plagues. And finally, God sent the tenth plague, death to the firstborn in all Egypt. Yet God's angel passed over the Israelites. Why? Because each family did as God had instructed. They killed a lamb for the sacrifice. They spread the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, on their own doorposts, and they ate the meat so that they would be ready to flee at moment's notice. It was the Lord's Passover. The angel passed over each family that did this. And so all the people of Israel that night lived. Every year, God's people continued to celebrate that Passover feast. It not only reminded them of the deliverance that God had accomplished as the Israelites were set free from slavery and were brought into that promised land, but it also taught them that a Passover lamb would someday die for the sins of the entire world, that God's anointed would come and serve as that lamb so that God would pass over his people and not condemn them to eternal death for their many sins. Jesus is that Passover lamb. When John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, he was saying, Jesus is this Passover lamb who was sent by God to die to make atonement for the sins of all people. All the animal sacrifices throughout the Old Testament era pointed ahead to the sacrifice that Jesus in love would make on the cross. John the Baptist was certainly right. Jesus is that lamb. He takes away the sin of the world. That he can do so is demonstrated by his own ministry. Jesus proved that he had power over the devil and all demons because Jesus could drive out demons. Jesus undid the effects of sin by giving sight to the blind, helping the lame to walk, healing the sick of their various diseases. Jesus proved that even the grave had no power over him as he could raise the dead like the widow's son at Nain and Lazarus. Remember, the wages of sin is death. But now, here comes a man who can defeat death and bring people back to life. Jesus even forgave sin. 
He forgave the paralytic, saying, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And at that, the scribes took offense at what Jesus had just said. In fact, they accused him of blasphemy, declaring that only God can forgive sins. And so Jesus said, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to, which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. Jesus is, after all, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then on this night, just days after Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, Jesus was ready to celebrate the Passover feast with his disciples. He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the master of the house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, there prepare for us. And the disciples sent out, set out and went to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. Jesus had gone to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover previously, as was commanded by the Old Testament ceremonial law. Perhaps one of the most famous times in which Jesus went to celebrate the Passover was when Jesus was 12 years old. After the feast had been celebrated, it was time to return to Nazareth, but Jesus was not found among those who are traveling back. It took, it took Mary and Joseph days before they finally found Jesus, who was about his father's business in the temple with the church leaders who were astonished at his understanding and answers. But this time, on this Maundy Thursday, the celebration of the Passover is obviously different. Palm Sunday demonstrates that things are going to be different. The crowds recognize Jesus as their Savior, as they sung Hosanna, which means save now. Judas had agreed to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus, of course, knows that he is going to be sacrificed as the Passover lamb that following day. And so, while they were eating that Passover feast, Jesus said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Then Jesus took bread. He blessed it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, which had wine in it, and declared, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the New Testament, 
which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. The disciples that night received the body and blood of Jesus as they ate the bread and drank the wine, just as Jesus had said. And in this, Jesus instituted the sacrament of the altar. Because Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament ceremonial law, the annual observance of the Passover is no longer required. We are no longer instructed to slaughter those lambs and offer them as a sacrifice, as a remembrance of that first Passover. For Jesus has again fulfilled these things as the scriptures declare. And so Jesus, he served then as the Lamb of God who was offered up on the altar of the cross that following day. He bore our sins in his body, and so he offered himself the shedding of his blood as the ransom payment for our every last sin. And now he continues to give us the fruits of this, this sacrifice through what Jesus instituted on Monday Thursday in the Lord's Supper. This feast continues to be the body and blood of Jesus for our forgiveness. This is not as some people say. Some people claim the only time it was the body and blood of Christ was on that night in which he gave it to his disciples, and all we do is reenact it. All we do is just follow what they did, but we're just receiving bread and wine. No. God's word teaches us that a testament comes in force upon the death of the testator, and then it always remains true, as Hebrews 9 declares. Jesus died as the Lamb of God on Good Friday, guaranteeing that this New Testament, as he described it, is going to be always in effect, and it will always be what he said that it is. And so when you come forward this evening, you are not just reenacting a historic event, nor are you receiving some sort of trivial nicety, but instead you are receiving the body and blood of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And as you come forward, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So what sins have you committed that keep you wondering, why did I do that? We have sins like that. What was I thinking? Where was my mind? What control did I have? Why didn't I? Or what sins, whether they're actual sins or, or thought of sins made up, are others trying to accuse you of? What are sins are others trying to hold against you? In what ways have you violated the Ten Commandments, even since the service began? How have you failed to keep God's law? As Christians, we repent. We plead guilty. We make no rational arguments for why we were entitled to do what we did. And then we come before our Lord 
to receive the body and blood of Christ for our forgiveness. We know then that those sins can no longer accuse us. We know that our merciful Savior does not accuse us because he paid for them all on the cross. And so gather in his house to receive this supper for the forgiveness of your sin. And as you receive this sacrament, remember what Jesus did to you or did to give you this precious meal. He died on the cross out of his great love for you. When he gave the disciples Holy Communion that first time, Jesus was preparing them to bear the crosses that would come in their lives. He was strengthening their faith. He was forgiving them. The first cross that they would witness is the arrest of Jesus, his false trial, and his crucifixion. They themselves would suffer persecution for being faithful, and for most that were present that night, would endure martyrdom. They would be killed for being faithful to Christ. And these, Christian, these Christians were being prepared to die. They were then ready to depart in peace. The peace of God is granted to us in the Lord's Supper. And Jesus, too, is preparing us to face our crosses that we will carry in this life with confidence, knowing that Christ Jesus will be with us and our sufferings are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. Christ our Lord is preparing us to depart in peace and to meet him in glory, where we 